0: week on Zero Ambitions podcast, we spoke to best-selling author, illustrator and property portfolio developer, Laura DeBarra, about reaching a wide audience. The scale of the domestic retrofit challenge in the UK cannot be underestimated, with almost all homes needing some degree of retrofitting in order to reach our climate goals. So we need everyone's buy-in. We thought we could learn a thing or two from Laura and her ability to empower and educate. We hope you enjoy it. Laura, would you like to tell us a little bit about um, who you are?
1: Sure. So um, I have written two books. Um, One Gaff Goddess uh, is kind of like how to repair. Um, I'm kind of going backwards about it. I was working. I work for investors acquiring properties for them. And then with my last boss, I would rent them out and manage the portfolio. And then I decided to realize that everyone was having the same issues. And they were, it was almost always the same repairs. First of all, I was costing my boss money, but then tenants were waiting for weeks for someone to come around and fix a dishwasher. Or, you know, and then people wouldn't show up. And like, you're dealing with people's emotions, you know, like, and everyone hates their landlords. Everyone hated me at the start because they thought I was a landlord. So then I started to learn to fix things myself just to go in and do them. Um, And it also helped me at work as well because our budgets were saved. And then I would also decorate the properties to make them easier for the tenants to live in no one wants to live with their landlord's furniture and mm-hmm. no one wants to live with cheap furniture so like it took me a lot to kind of get it over the edge over the line to kind of be like we need to spend more a tenant wants a couch bed not just a couch etc and then that's how gas God goddess was kind of born it was through being like okay if none of these tenants know how to fix it and I didn't know how to fix half of them why can't they have a bible that you know so I started putting together one for the tenants but then Penguin got in touch and I was like stunning I'm doing this anyway and then a lot of people there was one chapter in it called decor galore where it was like how to zone and decorate based on your life and not everyone's the same and people have there is an element of accessibility both physically uh financially like leases people have different kind of constraints on them um users in the home etc so people were at, like loved that chapter because it made them think about themselves without a budget mind or you know anything like that so I used to get asked a lot about it and a lot of good feedback about it. So that made me write Decor Galore, which is about, so you've repaired your space. How do you add to your space? And then it's each room, it goes room by room. It's like, basically like you grab a cocktail and go around the house. And it's like, this is what you do here. Because I have to work, I might work for investors and buy properties, but No investor wants to put loads of money into the furniture, And I understand, like, they work off yields and stuff like that. So I'm used to doing really tight budgets, but making things last. So a lot of the things I try and share online, um, like, I don't really work with, like, brands. Um, It's just not kind of my buzz. Like, I do work with Bosch, uh, but not online, just because they're so keen to up the customer's experience of the product um and learning about how the product works before they buy it you know so like how do you wash your clothes if they're synthetic like how do you make your clothes last longer to your washing machine so i'll work with something like that um i've done kind of consulting consulting with the government it sounds like so glam but it was it was just pretty like normal um on how to communicate uh the green homes grant that they were doing um because i just felt to be honest that like it's all well and good telling people to put on a jumper and turn the dial down on it. But a lot of people who are struggling to keep their home warm don't have valves on their radiators, don't have thermostats on the wall. You know what I mean? Don't want to be told by somebody privileged to put on a jumper. So it was kind of like, how can we communicate more practical things? Um, so that's like, my stance is that like, you know, it's it can be very easy to talk to people about modern homes but it's much harder to speak to people about homes that there hasn't been a constant cash flow. And also a lot of people in modern homes are just pissing energy out the window because they don't know how that works either because there's a lot of building legislation, wider hallways and bathrooms for turning circles. People have gaps under the doors that need their fire doors, things like that. And they don't know how to stop drafts. So I guess my dream is that people end up being able to save themselves money And not to send shit out the door into landfill. But mainly that's by kind of not controlling, but assessing what comes in your door, who you are, what your space is, what your boundaries are with spend and lifestyle and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I'm into and what I love. But it's not that easy in a world where everybody wants the girl that tells you how to shop, everyone wants the girl with the swipe up links. So that's why I stand quite firm and not working with brands and stuff because it fucks your integrity, even though it's tempting, it fucks your integrity a (laughs) bit.
0: I just like, I'm sitting here and like all of the questions that I had and all the areas that I wanted to go to, I'm just like, ding, 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 ding. This is epic. There are so many places to dive in. Like you came on my horizon because of the things that you sort of touched on there. Like um, the fact that, the, the, no, the notion and the concept of DIY and putting mm. the skills in the hands of people who live in their homes to be able to do stuff and fix stuff and, and have the ability to do that so they're not relying on other people that they can do it themselves that they can save money but I particularly like the fact that it was also acknowledged that a lot of this stuff is like we'll send the man around to fix the thing or whatever and presuming that we can't do things like that we the people and we women can't do those yeah. things yeah so that that was one thing and I was really fascinated by that and subsequently bought your books for my mother yes. and my, actually my aunt's birthday was yesterday and she got Gaff Goddess for her birthday I um, appreciate so. that thank you <laughs> it's great I did have to shop it right. actually it was great because I bought it in Easton's online for anybody listening that's where to yes. go
1: um (laughs) she keeps going out of stock I don't like it just there's just surges yeah Yeah, it's really difficult to get but like it should be there
0: (laughs) it's good and my mother loves it and my auntie's going to be all over that because they they want to be able to do those things and and it's great um so that was one one element and then the the other thing as well was what you've also touched on is the how to speak to people how to what are the messaging tools how do you do that what works what sticks what doesn't because I think as an industry the construction industry is dreadful at communicating outside of its own silo. And it is also quite protective over its knowledge, um, trying to hold on to value, trying to protect all that stuff, which is which yeah. is kind of a, a ridiculous thing. So those are the, the, the reasons that you came on. And I think this week it's actually even more pertinent with the spring budget and about how actually so few people who really, really needed help were addressed in that budget and and that's a real shocker so it's more um it's more crucial than ever that people have got the skills the knowledge the understanding to take control of their lived their their lived experience of what their what their conditions are that they're living in and to improve it as much as possible or to just preserve and not damage I suppose their their conditions
2: yeah I think one of the really exciting things about what you talk about is that it all just feels really empowering. Like you're basically giving people back their homes. Like you're Mm. allowing someone to understand this sort of quite mystical space that we occupy, that we don't necessarily understand how all of it works. And, you know, you go into quite a lot of detail in your book. And I think Mm. that in that way, you're kind of showing everyone all these things that they can have control over. But at the same time, you also then reveal the limits and like this is somewhere where we're we're having a lot of conversations where Mm -hmm. there's lots of things that people could do individually in their own homes to make their lives better um but then outside of that there comes a there comes a limit where they actually need support with these sort of green home grants with support from the government and Mm -hmm. i think one thing that you kind of shine a light on is you know where you can control and where you can't control and yeah and I think that's quite an interesting discussion in itself but also I'm just fascinated by how you make it all sound so like compelling um I was listening to one of your um your Instagram stories and you were talking about cleaning your fridge and I was like I'm gonna go and, I'm gonna go and clean my fridge but the way that you communicate it it just makes it sound so compelling and I think that we can all learn from that because Thanks. some of these things it can be so dry right a lot of the time when we talk always condescending
1: like yeah. it's all I when I had to learn how to like fix, I don't know, like dishwasher pumps, I felt not part of the club. You know, like it was kind of like you're used to spending your Saturdays in a check shirt with a spanner in your hand. So here's the pump. And then I was kind of like, oh, this is fun. Like, but after a while, I was like, if you're if you can't see the kind of like almost campness in a guy in a check shirt in his club, you know, that kind of way, you actually just feel kind of out of it. And I think because that like, you have to speak to people like they're your friend. That's the way I like to be spoken to. So it's just easier because people who want, who are like me will talk like me, you know, that kind of way. They don't want to hear things too technical because I didn't want to hear it. So it's just easier, I think, to make it conversational because I'd have to try loads if I wasn't.
0: (laughs) But this is interesting, isn't it? Because you're saying like, you're talking about like, knowledge about how buildings work or knowledge about how, kit and tech works it tends to come first from the knowledge base so you go and you learn about it or Mm -hmm. say you you train as a something so you've got all the knowledge and that's great we're great at like piling knowledge into people's brains that and you've got the knowledge and then you have to go and share that knowledge and you're sort of like people are just like and go (laughs) and no skills and no training around it it sounds a bit like you almost came the other way which was like I need to hear it in a way that it means something to me I want Mm. to learn stuff but actually I need the way is the thing that seems to like drive you rather than the what, right? So how you're doing it rather than yeah. the what. like, what's important, but the how is the difference, and that's the success of it. Because you are, I think, what we see when we see you on your stories and and when we're listening to you here is 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 you, and I think that's what like people are like, oh great, yeah, I I get this, I can understand.
1: It's just it. easier, you know. Like it's like there have been times when like some work I done where at the beginning where it was like. You couldn't be yourself, they expected you to be more formal. I'm not really good at that. Like even at work, like I'm really thankful my my boss just loves how informal it all is and just how transparent it all is. Because when you work in with a lot of investors and a lot of solicitors and a lot of um very formal roles. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in a leopard print beret in a pair of earrings going, let's just fucking, you know, like yeah. it's but it's, it's okay, I, I feel safe like that in my job now. But I didn't at the beginning, because not only did I not know as much what I was talking about, it was a very, very like, vulnerable place to be, you know? Like, asking questions as someone who isn't, doesn't have, like, let's say, like a posh accent or a lot of knowledge is actually very difficult. Mm. So, like, it, it actually made me appreciate who I am naturally and without putting up a front, you know? You know, like you deal with a lot of people in record, you can tell they kind of dine out on a very kind of abrasive, mean, almost like theatrically posh kind of manner. Yeah. You know, bit condescending, and I, I do kind of just think, oh god, you're not having that much fun. You know, I can see the <laughs> front. I can see the front now, but I yeah. must say, like it, what, like I, I don't kind of want to change from where the how I am. Conversation because it was so difficult for me at the start to. Yeah. of like gulp and ask a question you know coming from a place of not being you know feeling like you're not very smart but when i started to learn that actually no one knows the answer to a lot of these things it's mainly people who have had really specific education in certain fields and if you start to look at it that way and be like wow this person knows loads about this this is actually a really amazing conversation you know like I'm going to ask this dishwasher engineer like all these questions and people who know a lot about a certain subject love to talk to you about it. So if you approach it that way, instead of kind of pretending that you know a bit and people then are just like, shut up. Whereas if you're just like, (laughs) if you're like, I, like I always say like, I have no fucking idea about this. Can you talk me through the process? People never get to talk about the very start of the process to the end in their jobs, you know, and it's, I find it interesting and you can tell that people like to do it. So everyone enjoys that conversation
0: we, um, we had uh our last week's podcast, we were talking about the, well, we reflected on International Women's Day as a starter mm-hmm. for 10, which none of us have any time for really. Um, But we were really, it was this sort of, a, well, let's reflect on the fact that there's this thing that's become this like celebration in the calendar, which shouldn't exist in the calendar. Um, And we then moved forward to sort of reflect on the scale. So like, the scale of retrofit so this podcast Mm -hmm. is very very much focused on the need to retrofit all of the homes and by retrofit as you know we mean about the improvement of the fabric of those buildings to reduce the demand for energy and then yes we'll talk about low carbon technologies as well
1: Mm -hmm. but
0: what's absolutely crucial and critical in all of that is the element of, of, of social justice that goes with that and sort of also needing this massive massive workforce because the scale and the urgency is so big mm-hmm. so we were sort of interested in pulling apart a little bit more about how do you activate a wider range of people across society to get involved and to be part of this which again sort of speaks to why you were so interesting to me and what you were doing um You mentioned about not feeling safe and we had that come up as well in the previous week when we spoke to Katrina Jordan who runs Construction Scotland Innovation Centre and Mm -hmm. talking about upskilling people and the fact that they may have women who come to them as a a space for training who are interested in doing some of the training and upskilling but specifically ask that if it is an all-male cohort they're not feeling comfortable and they're not safe in that space. I mean... You've obviously experienced that firsthand, and I would say experienced that. uh, Oh, it's still, to
1: this this day, it's still, I get, like, in meetings, if we're with someone external, like kind of this environment, there'll be comments thrown around constantly. And like, I'm lucky that I'm in an environment where they find it hysterical, almost like that, like they're just like this, this person comes like an idiot, like challenging her, mm. you know? And they, they don't mind if I clap back a bit sarcastically. And it's just proven to me you can write a DIY book. You can literally be an author of two books that have done quite well, that people still think you know nothing. And as they say, like, that's a them problem, not a me problem, mm. you know? So, but to this day, I'd still always, I'll probably go to a meeting on Monday and I'll just, you know, it's always. Can I have a latte? And I'm going, like, you're here to meet me. Like, yeah. Tell a us a latte, little bit no
0: about, you You mentioned a couple of times, um, or at least I've picked up on it, and maybe that'll touch show you where my focus is, but that when you're viewing properties, oh. that the suited and booted of estate agencies show up and do what? Where What
1: happens? I am left outside all the time. <laughs> like, like what I, how I like to work is I like to have one agent per agency for just a few reasons. One, I don't get a load of emails and calls. Two, I don't have to explain myself constantly. And then three, who likes dealing with a load of agents, right? So, so and it, it also saves me the embarrassment, that, uh, not embarrassment, but when I show up at a property, I'll, it'll be obvious to me who the agent is purely because they usually are driving a car with the agency on it. So it can be guy, girl, like at the minute there's a girl at the agency, like I'm almost like snapping them up straight away anyway. You know, because if I'm going to be putting through like cash buys through an agency, which I know that they get more percentage for once they're going to to a woman anyway. You know what I mean? And it's just what I prefer to do. But when I see them come out, I know it's the agent. And I'll be standing outside the door. There's literally like no other door for meters. And they'll say to me like, excuse me. So I'll have to, so I just now shuffle them. And I'll go on my phone and then my phone will ring. And they'll be like, hi, we're waiting for you. And I'll just turn to the agent and be like, I'm here. Wow. Like, I have stood in the rain for like over 15 minutes with like some guy who was about 23 who just made me move. So I was in the rain. He was under the cover because he had an important appointment. I've been at valuations of our properties at work where I've been really badly spoken to outside because I was standing in front of the buzzer and he has something very important to get to. And then... When he buzzes in, I was waiting outside basically for something to be delivered. And then I arrive into the property that he's trying to sell, like a multi-million pound property, and he just goes white, you know? And I'm just like, the urge to make them feel comfortable that they've made the mistake is there, because that's how we're trained as women. You know, like the kind of like, oh, don't worry about it, you know? But I try and not make them feel bad. I just kind of say, well, now you kind of know for next time. And one agent said to me a couple of weeks ago, God, I said, Oh, were you expecting someone in a suit? Like, you know, like, whatever guy. And then he just said, No, I'm usually so good at reading. He was showing up, like, honestly. And I was like, You're making this worse for yourself. You <laughs> yeah. know, like. Stop talking. Was, Stop talking. Like, what I usually know. And he was like, He was sitting having a cigarette in his car right in front of me. I was at the door. I was checking my phone to make it obvious. Like, complete and he's he's making eye contact with me but I do have a bit of a I'm not going to wave and be like it's me Laura you know yeah I'm just going to stand here until this idiot gets out of the car and it's good because then you get down to negotiation you don't have to be that friendly
0: (laughs) yeah that is good I mean we talked about um Tara Balade last week and and actually both Tara and Marianne who were on our podcast last week uh talked about and you, Rachel. We all had lived. I mean, why am I? Why am I singling it The women uh, have had to make ourselves uh, reduce in our presence, or change shape, or shift shape the whole time, so that we can be either comfortable or acceptable, or whatever that is in that space. But I mean, I don't want to go too far down there because there will be no stopping me. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm did a bit of that last week. um, And I'm sure Alex is feeling like backed into a corner. But what I would like to say about that is that what's really the big issue about that is, is we have a duty to make sure that all of our spaces are safe and comfortable for everybody to be in, to be able to thrive within. And that is where we're living, where we're working, or the the real kind of uh, crux of what we're talking about here, which is in our homes, and our homes should be those Mm. safe spaces, and we should have some control and some uh, rights within those spaces, which often are overlooked. And I think this is what, Alex, you were talking about um, when we were chatting before meeting Laura, was this fact that you're addressing the rights of the private rental market to some degree by empowering them. Um, But I think that's the really key thing about... um, these assumptions are still there. We like to talk good game about the fact that, oh, so much has changed. But actually, it's really important to remind people that actually it hasn't and that we're perpetuating lots of behaviours that are um, not helpful and, and really just getting in the way. So I sort of feel like get out of the way. Yeah, we've learned
1: bad habits. And how is somebody supposed to come into an industry who's non-binary, who's trans, if women like, you know what I mean? It's You just have to have a no bullshit approach to it and always give it back to them
0: yeah and it's terrible yeah. isn't it to sort of feel that we have to be sort of combative in certain ways like you have to go prepared ready to sort of push it back wouldn't mm-hmm. it be lovely to just arrive up and think I'm going to have this
1: viewing and I will be greeted and it will happen <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and I, do, I do think that like I go in with like this is going to be fine kind of like to the point that it does then and shock me almost when they act like that and they can see the shock on my face. So I refuse to prepare myself anymore for sexism. Mm. So that I am genuinely shocked. Mm. You know, i there's no preemptive stuff like that anymore. I've surrounded myself now in a workforce and friends and things like that of people who don't do that and don't accept that. So now when somebody does, it I find it more and more shocking. I used to take it loads in my old job and now I'm like, you know, it's much better for it to feel abnormal mm. so that you can react Like and be like, well,
0: I think. Oh, sorry, Rachel, go
2: ahead. I was going to say, yeah, I think then when you, I think making that conscious decision to put yourself in that space where you can create this space around you that feels safe.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not only is it good for yourself, but it then allows you to be in a position where you can try and make these spaces for other people. And I kind of yeah. feel like that's maybe what part of one of the purposes of the book was, is that, you know you're putting something out there to make other people feel like that this is a space that they can engage with as well and that mm-hmm. they're welcome in and that it's safe for all of the people that that mm-hmm. sort of might not have known how to do these things or take this sort of control themselves yeah. and I guess yeah was that part of the like yeah emphasis of the book
1: and the holding on DIY, like as well as much as women are expected not to know anything about DIY men have this pressure on them that is absurd that like they're supposed to know everything. Like I have male friends of mine who are like, oh, you think you're not going to a DIY store? Imagine me going in and asking for a screwdriver and not knowing the difference between Flathead and Phillips. Like I'm supposed to have lemon in my pencil face daily, you know, like and I have a lot of friends as well who um who would be, let's say, a guy that is camp, who's like, I feel even more like I can't go in. So the whole reason I trademarked DIY because I did not want DIY to be taken over and targeted at women. I wanted it to be, it almost became tongue in cheek, the she, you know, it wasn't like, and there has been a couple of companies that have since, and a, a big, a, like a, I know there are kind of like classes for women that have taken on she, even though I've been like, that's my trademark and it's all targeting, it's keeping women in a box around okay. DIY. And instead I'm like, everyone sits at the table and that's important, but also like, it's important to make people feel like they shouldn't be scared of their homes Uh your home is for comfort your Uh home like our homes originally started as caves right protection from animals let's say from the sun from the cold etc when did it start becoming a status symbol something that we're not comfortable in something that we feel like we need to in society have new things and we don't have things that last and why are we buying a load of shit that's going out to landfill you Uh know I know social media is part of play society is part play but just trying to like spread the awareness that your home should work with you, not against you. And that, you know, there you have a part to play in it. Mm. But there is a stage when it needs to be handed over. And then I might not have my ha- my home over the same way one of my friends might, because she might be like, I hate flat packing. I'm going to outsource this and that. But you have to be aware of what you can outsource, what you can get funding for, you know, what you can wait and put off to next year. Like that's one of the chapters in the book, like a little calendar of when to do things. You know, you don't have to look around your home and go, oh my God, I hate it. You know, where do you start? What's yeah. the priority? And you base that on you. You don't base that on what anyone else says. So, so this is a a really um, interesting point for us. This where do you start
0: moment. Mm. Um, I think... <clears throat> we're uh, acutely aware that um what is needed is huge amounts of public knowledge on what you can do now and how systems in your house work and the benefit of ventilation and like yeah. even in some of your stories yesterday just like showing the double lock system on your upvc window you know you can actually leave that and have that ventilating possibly whilst also protecting your security and mm-hmm. you know tricks and tips about like using don't use like this but use like a uv filter on that and just understanding how to control the environment and, and be aware of it. And, and I, th- I suppose it's because you do it as well. And, and we had um, an interesting um, interview as well, a few weeks back with Adrian Lehman and Bill Bordas who were, mm-hmm. like the, the, the founding people around understanding the usability of buildings and like thinking of like, what's the success of the building? Is it the stats and the metrics or is it how livable, how usable is it for the people who are in the building? Yeah. And you can, I think that's a bit, again, like it's the bit, I think, that we find quite difficult to bring into the conversations that are more technically focused or that are about standards or that are about data is also bringing in the occupant because it isn't, you've, you've said it several times, everybody is different. Everyone, so there is yeah. no funding for that because it would cost too much and take too long to understand every single person's one and nobody wants to do that. But it's like the key that's missing. you but know, people all don't the care to a parent. point.
1: People Mm. only care to a point. People will tell you, I really care about this, but then you're like, and then what about this person? Oh, no, like, I do care about people who need it, but not them, you know? Like, I think, like, and you're my witnesses in case this does get done, (laughs) is you could log on to, you know, like a questionnaire that you would do in Cosmo to see who was your dream movie star boyfriend. (laughs) You could log on to that and it leads you to what you need to do first in your home. Yeah. So you just sign in, you put in your postcode, you put in how many bedrooms, you put in the age of your property, you ping to the next question. What's your biggest problem? Is it drafts? Is it mold? Is it, you know, and then you get led along and then it makes you have this little recipe at the end saying, you know, Laura, months three to six, you should do this yourself. You should apply for this grant because it takes six months to come in next year you should be doing this and applying for this and it gives you a transparency in what your problems are it gives you a feeling of control sometimes we don't need to fix all our problems we need to be aware of what's causing Mm. to then be like right I can get to that or I can do this or that's not for me that's for somebody else and I just think if people were able to do their own assessment on their space you know like what we forget is we work kind of in the interior and building spheres So for us, it's quite, you know, we'd instantly go, oh, I'm cold in this room, it's probably drafts. But you have to actually, instead of like giving people fish, teach people how to fish, you know? Why is my room cold? Like, have you gone to the windows and run your hand over it? And if each question has a video on it, you know? Like, a green homes grant would be perfect just putting videos on a website going how to check for drafts, how to do this. If you send people out, thermometers and things to track and humidity like all all these things are small tools that don't cost a lot Mm. that help people to tell you what's wrong with their home then you have data then you have stats then you know what's urgent then you know how many people let's say over 70 are being stuck in homes of a really bad temperature that's what gets your funding Mm. Mm. you know if you just go the UK is cold okay you know we don't want to see the people that are cold if you say like Whatever percentage of seventy-year-olds are living in a temperature under. If you speak about the actual temperature to people, people would then understand because people talk about temperature all the time. Mm. You know,
0: it's a shame that um Dan isn't here on the call because he'd be right in there with you talking about. Well, it's because poor people aren't interesting. That's why nobody wants to talk about them. That's when nobody
1: wants mm. to bring their. Resources. They're not putting before. money in people's right. pocket mm-hmm. or you mm-hmm. know, like if if you are too busy or you have children that you need to look after and you're not necessarily the purchaser. Mm. People love people that spend money, but people that overshop and overspend are usually battling something else. Mm-hmm. It's just socially more acceptable to be battling that than battling what's other people that some some sort of part of society that people don't want to acknowledge. You know.
0: um You mentioned earlier about doing a little bit of consulting with the, the greenhomes Grant. You did mention which we all know failed miserably. So can you tell us a little bit about what you know about that or what experience you had with that and where you think the successes are or were
2: yeah
1: I mean I because I don't do a lot of brand work I think I wasn't used to getting I got loads of um tweets calling me a stooge for right three weeks afterwards I was like like, what's a stooge and I was like it's on me (laughs) um Basically what they were what they were trying to do with the green, the Green homes grant, why it kind of failed, I think, was because you had to meet certain criteria to achieve certain things. And you had to spend a certain amount up front for other things. And a lot of the advertising for it was like, you're going to get double glazing. But then it was kind of like, you can't get the double glazing until you've done this thing that doesn't make as much of a difference aesthetically. Um. And you have to like there was a lot of um like as a concept, incredible. But to execute it, um, I think they just found that difficult because there was some boundaries that were hard for people to get through, and also the things that would make an instant difference in people's lives were harder to get without mm-hmm. doing the things that basically cost more time and money. You know,
0: it sounds to me like a user experience failure. There, That's what it was, <laughs> Alex, they know? needed you, and, yeah. no, and no, like no, the, no.
1: The, the team were so. The one of the team that I worked with directly was just so enthusiastic about it and getting it out there and it being about the person. And that's why they ended up contacting me because he was like, you could put some of this across, you know, like just a couple of tips on people waiting for the grant on how to do this and how to do that. And that's what I was really up for. But when you are kind of trying to represent something that isn't probably the best thing to, not the best thing, it's good and everyone worked really hard in it. It was just more, I can see why people were... Found
3: it difficult. I think I think we the thing is, is that it's become too easy to overcomplicate things. Um, I, my analogy is always technology. So if you think about the one thing that you always carry with you, which is your phone, and I think about the iPhone, who are the first one to do it properly, where you have this nice simple object in your in your in your pocket in your hand. It's incredibly easy to use. It's super intuitive. You don't have to think too much about it. You have to dig down sometimes and find those settings, and it can be a bit complicated but they've created a user experience that is super, super easy to to deal with for for a lot of people. But really, what you you think about is that in the back end, the the stuff that's been coded, that is incredibly complex. And that's just for the few people who are actually part of Apple and who build it. But what they've done with all that complexity, they've created a layer of simplicity, which is the user experience for us, the people who buy these phones and use them. And by creating these other experiences where, as you were saying, you have to do this before you can do that, and you have to do this, and you put all these barriers, you make people scared. And homes, I think I really like the way that you framed your book as well. Is to help you run your home. It is a system, so it mm. is complicated. It does have impacts, such as if you put in too much, if you stop too much of your ventilation, then you get very bad quality air. It creates lots of humidity, and that could actually create rot in your in the beams that could, in fact, damage the building eventually. Now that's really like a horrible scenario. It happens though. It does. It does happen, and it can. And but the thing is, is that we scare people so much that they do not want to deal with that issue. So they would just don't want to deal with it. They would prefer to ignore it. And we've got the government saying, I'll just put a heat pump in there I'll solve everything. Well, it doesn't at all. Um, and we need to start shifting the frame of mind and saying, yes, you have a home and yes, it can be complicated, but you need to start understanding it as, yes, it is your home. It's a friendly, warm place for, for you to live in, but it's also a friendly place that you need to take care of. And it's, it's okay to want to go and fiddle with this and learn how to do this, make the mistakes as well sometimes. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes. But then you can create a much better and strong relationship with your home, your hearth, and then and then help to improve it, basically.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly it. And I think it's so interesting the way you say, like, like the back end, um, like my sister and her husband are coders or programmers, one's front end, one's back end. So like my knowledge of it is crap, but I get what I get it like the back end should be, the government should be taking care of the shit so that the user can do it simply. Exactly. Because not everybody is 18 on a phone being like stunning, double glazing. Somebody's 80, you know, It's they're not going to use it in the same way, but they can have someone help them easily. They can go to like a library, you let's know, say whatever, but it is true. Giving the complicated parts to the user, it doesn't work in any other part of society. How is it going to work when it comes to somebody's home? You know, it's almost like people in some ways when it comes to heating the home they make it out to be this secret that's bigger than you you know like a warm home you know it's like <laughs> there are things and with even with the bills like people aren't talking about It's all, all the money is going to the wrong place like I'm seeing influencers that excel 7 pound dresses all year then talk to us about saving money on our bills I'm like they'll save money if they just stop following you for five minutes And they need a new dress every time they go out you know what I mean like that's half their bill every month it's more that like they need to tell people about and, and in facts and figures, people remember figures because they get shocked by them, especially if it's a figure they don't realize. So if you start talking about how much heating costs and how much leaving a laptop or whatever charging when it doesn't need to be charged. Like if you just give people percentages of that, that's when people start making these little moves towards saving themselves money. Information is what people need. Ease and user experience
3: and info. They want to want to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. absolutely i mean even uh i I know you pointed out for example what is this button on this machine it's so complicated that people just don't want to touch them and a a big problem is is that most people will not put in for example that or or dial down their their thermostat by one degree because they don't want to break that system because if you touch that something will happen in there i remember my my grandmother would never, ever let me touch a thermostat when I used to go to her house. I said, look, it's normal, you just touch a button. I was very young, very confident I could touch something. But if I did that, I would have potentially ruined her entire house. And that was how big a decision that was for me, her grandson, to go and, and touch just one little button to make a difference. But to her, it was better to keep things in the status quo, than yep. try and risk much bigger and more dire consequences. And that is, again, the user experience that we've created for ourselves. All these machines, they're super complicated. We don't understand scary, them. We don't understand them. And people yeah. just prefer to leave them as they are and ignore the, the, the problem.
1: Because she probably Sorry. was afraid of a boiler breaking and some having to come out yeah. and fix it.
3: Completed. Yeah, yeah. The cost yeah. That
1: comes with that. Like that's
0: it. Mm-hmm. It's like what might lead to another cost because there isn't any sort of trust there because we don't really understand the things that we're playing with. And so I think there's two things that are in my mind, and the one is and Rachel, I think you mentioned this earlier on as well. So. We can talk about um, things that people can do to make their homes work better, to make them feel better, to make them healthier and give all those sorts of tools and tips. And that, I think, is really, really important. We're sort of in this very, very extreme scenario right now where some of the um, analysis uh, post-mini Um, what what did Rishi Sunak give us earlier? I was going to say mini-budget, but it just doesn't feel like it was a budget of any description. But off the back of that, the amount of people that have been negatively affected by it is something like 23 million. So we're talking, and maybe not all going to be categorized as feel poor, but close enough to or struggling anyway. That's a third of the population. So we're in this really extreme place now where these things are important and everybody does need to know that. Um, But... I was at a coffee morning this morning in my kid's school and it was about energy saving and it was incredibly grounding in lots of ways because there were some tips. It was a lot about how to switch supplier, but there was also a lot about tips that you can do to reduce your spend and energy and giving people some information about, you know, it costs 12 and a half pence to run your kettle for 10 minutes and this sort of mm-hmm. thing. So, and those sort of tips were really good, but I was also feeling a great deal of outrage that the government have actively pushed vast waves of the population into the situation where people are going oh no I won't have that one cup of tea yeah. that was a pleasure for my afternoon Like, um, mm-hmm. or that like I'll make sure that we're going around to, on like turning off thermostats or th- turning off radiators in bedrooms and making sure the lights are off and putting that burden on the kids shoulders as well I mean yes kids go around and they leave doors open and lights on mm-hmm. and whatnot but like making it a family issue is both good in one way that gives people sense because I also am, am coming at this from the climate perspective I think we do need yeah. to reduce our demand and be conscious mm-hmm. of what we're using and not think it's ubiquitous but it is also this really unfair situation where it's being put on people's shoulders through the lens of fear at the minute which is terrible and so that is the government's responsibility that's why and this was a point you made Rachel I think is and that's why it's really important that we continue to hold the government to account to make sure that they are Mm -hmm. wholesale systemically changing the way that we live by improving our housing stock in a way that we cannot afford to do so. But in the meantime, what's absolutely important is doing what you're doing and doing what we're saying about giving people tips on how to make their homes more efficient and all of that, both to empower and to help at this very, very difficult time. But as as a part of a bigger thing, as well, so we need the top-down bit for the for the big change that takes the burden off people's shoulders. Mm-hmm. But then we need the the drive to come from the empowering of people, as 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 we're talking about. So there's like this two-way thing, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's
2: it's kind of maddening, isn't it? That like we live in a country that's so unequal that we're basically having to cob together this like stone soup version of like saving a few like kilowatt hours in your house so that people don't get absolutely impoverished by their mm-hmm. fuel bills yeah. um, and like fundamentally like that is down to inequality that's the reason why yeah. that that is happening it's yes there's the, the global context is a nightmare but fundamentally in this country these problems are down to inequality and yeah. I think when you put it you know the the minutia of like every decision we make and the emotional and mental burden that it puts on people in a way stops them being able to hold their government to account because they're like, we're all so busy trying to figure out how to pay our bills that it takes away the energy we have to then campaign and ask for more almost. So I think, I mean, people like us maybe who can afford to pay our bills have that responsibility to keep pushing Mm -hmm. at the top as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And like not, I think that my worry was, you know, you don't want the government to say, oh, but these people have got all the these snakes that they've made out of their tights that they've used as draft excluders. They're fine.
0: They <laughs> well, like, again. in fairness, Rachel, we'll... they're saying that anyway. They could give yeah. you less. But, <laughs> but people also
2: need those things right now because they need help, like, right this second. So it's like yeah. this balance, isn't it? It's really tricky. Yeah,
1: it is tricky. And then also because you almost don't want them to think, oh, they'll be fine. Mm. You know, oh, they'll be fine. We'll mm. just just up it. But people, to be honest, when you when there are people who can't afford to heat their homes, they're they're living every single day in survival. Mm. So something else gets thrown at them, it's another survival mode, mm. you know, which is just it's just not fair. Mm. You know, there's a level of responsibility where you have to look after people. You can't just, just up bills without looking after people that you're for by upping those bills. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I think there's also a disconnect between well the, the people who live in the homes and the people who are trying to come up with these solutions we actually have that problem on the podcast uh, we we had this conversation before with uh uh basically dan and jeff who couldn't be here for the podcast They so we're having an email conversation about today and uh, Jeff is a bit of an expert uh, on passive homes, so he really knows everything. And he says, wow. in his view, I'm, I'm, I'm over exaggerating, I think, his, his position, but he says, no, it's all about fabric first, you know, make sure you wrap up the building, make it really perfect, and it will be, it'll be fine, it will solve all the problems. Otherwise, nothing else works. And then we're saying, but wait a minute, people, they can't even afford that. If they can put their snake at the bottom of the door, that at least is one good thing that they can do in their lives, and that will help them somehow. And I think there's that disconnect and, you know, both have a very good point of view and they actually, in my opinion, they're both right because it's not just this solution or that solution. It's a myriad of little solutions, but unfortunately not everyone is going to be able to do the whole home retrofit. Some people will be able to start putting, you know, the the snake at the bottom of the door and doing a bit of this and that. And maybe one day somehow something will happen to allow them to go to the next step. But at the moment, there's just too much of a disconnect.
1: It's how more like it's, it's too disconnected because like, if you, if you get on a plane, they tell you, put on your seatbelt. you protect yourself to this much, and then we'll take care of the bigger bit. So there needs to be that kind of like collaboration. People need to stop feeling like they're working against something. But if somebody ups your bills and puts you into a state where you can't even heat your home, how does that ever feel like a collaboration? Mm-hmm. When they then tell you like, do this and do that, you're just going to fuck yourself. You know, instead, it needs to feel like, listen, we're handling the bigger picture. We need you to handle this in the meantime. When yeah. you go anywhere, there's that level of cooperation and collaboration. When you take the tube, there are things that you need to do for them to do their job. But there is no element of that. It feels like us and them.
0: Yeah, I, that's such, I, I love that analogy. I think that's such a great way of, of picturing it. Like you do the bit that's within your means to do yeah. and we will do the rest and that is the missing bit. There is no do the rest. They're not doing the rest. And there's a huge, huge movement in the industry saying you need to do this because it's not about should we do it? It's about, what you know, you have to do it. The sooner you do this, the better. And I'm saying yeah. to you, I'm saying the government, they have to do mm-hmm. something. It isn't a case of, oh, but you're like, we, we'll get a few more years out of those houses and then they'll magically repair themselves. They won't. It won't. No, it gets worse. It like, will get worse. You need yeah. to do something about improving that you need to do your bit beyond these sort of tokenistic gestures that the, the spring budget saw. Now I know there was uh, something in there about zero VAT on on installation and material purchase of some low carbon technologies or, or energy saving measures, but a lot of those things are far beyond the bounds
1: of um, totally of, of what people can afford. And mom, like when we were going off, like there was no way my mom would be like, "Oh, we'll do some carbon." No, she wanted to know like when we get in from school, how do we not? If that happened when we were growing up, like, whoa, yeah. Yeah. whoa, you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I just can't imagine her being like, well, you know what? Because people hear carbon, they hear eco, and they think that's just for the privileged. yeah So, it's also educating people that, like, eco is actually a way to save money. Yeah. Yes, back in the day, it was your neighbor who just retired and got a stunning payout that was putting things on their roof like that's what people think eco is yeah
0: it,
1: it almost needs a rebrand you know like sometimes when I talk about sustainable fashion loops go, it's just cheap and I'm like it's not that you know <laughs> like really, you can only you can only buy shit clothes now you know and yeah. it's like I just think that like a lot of people they just think carbon thinking of carbon footprint stuff just isn't for them in any other capacity in their life why should it be about their home yeah. you know they want instant results and they're not aware of where they can be helped and how they can themselves and it does seem wrong to say to people we're going to do stunning insulation for this person but you can stuff your tights and put it by the door but it needs to be said like I did a video on it recently a few tips on how you can just use bits around your home to insulate your house instantly like tonight you can go to sleep warmer than you did last night and that's what people need to know and it needs to be given in that way it doesn't need to be told to people like you just need this it needs to be you want to get a quick fix by Saturday? Do this.
0: Yeah, I think that's all part of the messaging, isn't it? It's wrapped up in the in the notion of like rebrand. You talk about what's needed is like a cultural transformation. How we how we value our comfort and how that's what that's really actually quite important when it comes down to it. Um, so it's sort of about the cell isn't like. Because you're right, the green movement has suffered from, it's all about giving something up. Like you have to stop eating meat and you can't drive your car and you're going to have to do less of this and you can't fly to Spain on holidays and you can't, you can't, you can't. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually this retrofit, and this is why I'm really struggling as to why uh, any government, whatever flavour, hasn't jumped on this because it's all really good. What you're doing providing potential jobs improving people's um ability to thrive that's fundamentally what you're doing making people feel comfortable you're dealing with anxiety you're dealing with um respiratory conditions you're reducing the burden on the NHS you know it's on and it's on and it's on so many many positives that you could take that as any government and spin it whichever way you want once you were delivering those things it's a good news story it's a good day
1: for you like exactly like where's the downside like you're yeah. also strengthening a very fraught relationship yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. like but unfortunately in the schemes that I've seen being done there's always a catch mm. Mm. you know there's just a catch where people go looks good on paper and I think there's that mistrust there
0: yes trust is a key thing as well so I think what's really interesting is that the themes that we've been talking about here today are the themes that we talk about as well so it's things about um, how do we communicate and how do we tell the story that matters and um, how do we show where the value is and and long-term thinking and the urgency and the need and the reframing and all of those those things so it's like we have a job to do and this is why it's important to do the, the the work that you do which is to sort of share knowledge share information have your you know your line in the sand which is like yes i've i've, I've written books there's loads of content in there but like Honestly, the amount of stuff that I learn off you on your Instagram um pages is huge. So there's like this knowledge share, this collaboration, that feeling. We talked, you mentioned collaboration mm. as well. That's a really important point. Not this competition, not just keeping it to myself.
1: Yeah. Um, gatekeeping. Like, yeah. What do they call it? Gatekeeping, girl bossing, gaslighting. Like that's what people yeah. used to, isn't it? Mean, <laughs> yeah. Independent and then or whatever, Day. National
0: Women's Day. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my God and this is true and this is like like as well like there's there's all these issues around gender parity that are involved in this and and proper representation and a just transition and all of those things are part of this it's all a systematic sorry a systemic um field that needs like addressing and and this is why the bits I suppose what I'm trying to get to is what you're doing is really important and there are lessons to be learned around how you're doing what you're doing and where we put that information and how we empower that but it is as part of a deal with the top down side which is we're doing all of this not because you can't but because you're going to hold your side of the bargain as well you're going to Mm -hmm. share this knowledge share this information empower people but you're by god you're going to do your bit too and so those of us as rachel said who have got the headspace the time the privilege to be campaigning, to be demanding more, have to do that. That's our
1: responsibility. You got to do that. You got to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: definitely. What's lacking around these conversations is passion and people genuinely being interested in how it's going to be rather than passion in the wrong form. You know, how much money is to be made or like only looking after one section of people with it, you know? And I think like, like you say to me, like he can listen to me, with interest talk about a fridge was because I'm talking passionately mm. you know and into it you know like so I think like it's a joy to hear about people speak about warmer homes and retrofitting in a way that is interesting passionate you want to hear more this person knows what they're talking about that's important because mm. usually it it's not spoken about in that way
2: Yeah and we talk a bit about you know like the skills that are needed and the people that are needed to make this this sort of just transition and this mass retrofit happen Um, and a lot of the time we talk about technical skills you know who's going to install this who's going to design it who's Mm. going to do the calculations who's going to size the radiators but also I think that like a key key role is this sort of like retrofit advisor person the one that's actually going to like talk to a homeowner and say okay these are your options this is how it's going to work they're going to hold your hand through when someone's late to install something through um when you you know how all the funding works how you're going to you know actually get this work done but fundamentally be that person that you can trust and be that link between you and this sort of thing that's happening within your house and I think that's what a key one that I think you know that to be pushed more in terms of like training programs and things like that and I think it's also I mean, not to like go down massive stereotypes, but like a really, like way that a lot of, of of women have skills in that in that sort of sort of field in order to, you know, be these sort of leaders that are also really inclusive and mm-hmm. and really sort of inspiring and able to communicate in this way that, as you say, makes everyone sound, seem like your friend, and I think that's what that mm-hmm. person would need to do as and well. And they make
1: you feel normal, like yes. Your fridge stinks. This is what you do. Everyone's fridge can smell. (laughs) I do think like that kind of a role where if you suddenly need aids in your home, like a rail in your bathroom or a walk-in shower, wet room level access, you have an occupational therapist that comes in, right? They come in, they assess, they say, right, okay, mobility is getting decreased slowly. We're going to put in handrails in the bathroom. We're going to put a rail as they come in the door so they can step up etc. It would be like an occupational therapist, but for retrofitting the home. Yeah. And that's already a role that exists and functions quite well. You mm-hmm. know, how many of them are in a community? How many of them do they need like per department? How is it structured? You know, like a lot of the times it's just looking at something else that exists there. Because they've been able, you know, if they're able to employ these people and there's training and education and all of that, there will be a role that's similar to an mm-hmm. occupational therapist, but for Making homes greener, like retrofitting homes. There can be, basically, it can exist. So there there is a there is
0: such a role, but this is mm. you've actually landed on the problem, right? There is a role, and it's a retrofit advisor and a retrofit assessor. But yeah. we have very 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 few of them
3: because
0: of the statutory and regulatory environments that we are in and the nature that of the retrofit market being very very immature so -hmm. we have this issue of not realizing that this is exactly what we need but I think part of the problem in this and there's something that we've been talking a lot about as well um is is the, the the messaging and the the identifying of that role and what and, and and how you compare that and how you get people to buy into it and uh, it is comparing the house to the body and the system and looking yeah. after its respiratory system and looking after its skin and looking after all of those sorts of things mm-hmm. and being this um this medic or this person who can do a triage of that and people understand that it's very compelling like I mean why are there so many medical dramas on tv it's really compelling people are, there's, a, there's yeah. a, it's about life it's about your mm-hmm. life it's about you know am I going to live or die here where's the drama? Where is the excitement or, or and and all and the emotion because it's a living breathing thing mm-hmm. making that comparison I think is actually quite a compelling one and probably one that we could learn a lot from so in developing the the market and the demand for that sort of thing to see what the benefits are so let's just you know and there's another reason like if if if, if Dan had been here as well he hates the word retrofit because what the hell does retrofit mean to anybody <laughs> um so it's sort of like Parking, those sorts of things, and talking about it as the heart and the lungs of your building. Yeah. And how can we like assess that, triage that, and then how can we make it better? Like not sticking plasters, right? <laughs> like that's
3: yeah more fundamental than that. It's just a lack, a total lack of awareness. um Again, I'll just speak just about about one of my journeys. Is when I was starting to think about you know getting my house uh, up to to certainly even just a normal standard. I did a lot of research i really like doing my research really understanding things getting into it i I do i take things apart in my 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 pastime, so that sort of thing but (laughs) it took me such a long time and i even i never found anyone called a retrofit coordinator or anyone who could help me when i went to the typical person which was the architect they dissuaded me of using anything to do with a house that was actually for making it more energy efficient because they didn't know anything about it so i'm not blaming them they didn't know they hadn't been trained up so they didn't know about it how do we the home dwellers or how are we supposed to even start that conversation so even before we can start creating this whole thing about yeah we need to create demand etc etc we need to create awareness in a way that is you know more accessible to everyone that they can identify themselves with this and say yes this is my case as well it's for me it's not just i'm not just a statistic we all need uh you know uh heat recover sorry, or heat pumps or or these this insulation is this is my home I recognize myself and I want something if we can create that critical mass of people actually asking for something because they finally know that there is a problem it's not just oh my home is just yes. nasty that's it then yeah. we will see some change I don't think otherwise without that we can and I think that's mm-hmm. what we, you're doing and showing people that it is actually achievable that makes a big difference
1: and they don't know it's a need You know, like I think a lot of times when I speak to people, especially renters, sorry, there's like loads of police cars outside, Um, (laughs) classic. Your time's up, Laura, they're here (laughs) for you. (laughs) They found me. me. Um, Could be because I'm using someone's office, they called the police. Um, So I think um, when sometimes I speak, this is especially with tenants, people would rather, not rather, people feel they have no choice but to live in fear of contacting their landlord because they don't know their rights. Mm. They don't. People don't read the section on their lease where it says tenant obligations, landlord obligations. I know nobody who can tell me. Ask any of your friends. When you go out for a drink tonight, what's your landlord's obligations on your lease legally, and what have they added in that's not? Well, what have they added in as a bonus because they're nice? You know that kind of way. There's legal requirements there, and like in Ireland, like here, the tenants have much more rights, like mm. so much more. Ireland, your what do they say like second class citizen like you know it's kind of like you're, you're, yeah. you're a renter so you're instantly like 15 years old and messy you mm-hmm. know they never see renters as young professionals or families mm-hmm. they never think that a renter is an actual family mm-hmm. you know and like I just think that when people aren't aware of what they're entitled to and what is normal and what is fair mm-hmm. people don't know so if people know like what a, what a normal temperature to live in to be healthy. And what a significant kind of difference they can make with drafts and stuff like that themselves. They aren't aware of it. You know, like I'll say to people like, Oh, you shouldn't do this because it makes all your dishes get washed in this way. People are like, Oh, I didn't know I needed that. You know, but instead we're constantly being sold that we need things we don't fucking need. Sorry. Um, I just, I'm, it's just infuriating that money ads time, spend, brand time brand money is all spent on people convincing us we need something else like i've just come back from from new york where it's so bizarre because if you watch tv for five minutes i'm like my god maybe i have that and it's like a disease that only men can get over 50 do you know what i mean but it's like you're told constantly that you might have this need for this product that's you know basically medicine but it's here go on instagram for five minutes And you will be convinced that you need something you do not need. And where is the person telling us about the things that are fair for us to need and the things that a standard we should be living at regardless, no matter what our accessibility is to money or anything else? You know, nobody wants you to know that or the things you can do yourself because people are afraid of where it will impact them financially, whereas it actually helps everyone as a whole if everybody's living as well as they can, you know
0: that's the point isn't it living well what does living yeah. well mean living well isn't aspirational living well is yeah. probably something that we should all accept that we should have that that's a basic yeah. right to just be able to yeah. live and thrive right that's mm-hmm. the thing i mean it, um the knowledge isn't there because you know climate um awareness isn't even on the curriculum yet there's a lot of work to be done but I would say I can see in the not too distant future some modules around this delivered by the very lovely Laura (laughs) DeBarra
1: I'll do it (laughs)
0: in collaboration I can see it I can see it there's things bubbling in my mind about like (laughs) to to do and future collaborations because that's what we're all about but I can just say an absolutely huge thank you to you for coming on it's been a real pleasure and it's lovely to see so much crossover between what you you're, you're mm. doing what we're talking about and yeah we'll be learning from from you and your outreach and your um ability to communicate
1: with people oh <laughs> so thank, thank you very for much for having me it's like it's really nice to talk to people who get it like, <laughs> i think we'll take that as a compliment you <laughs> understand kind of like and the kind of conversation like this is just amazing to speak to people who are constantly working on trying to get fairness basically into people's homes mm. and standards for people, you know, not a lot of people care about the standard at which other people live. So mm. it's been brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Oh, yeah, do Thank you, you. And much. <laughs> Bounce in guests instead.